Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just um, invest. It's still a great thing to do. I know it can be scary to a lot of people. Jason's been doing this a long time. He's got a lot of knowledge. We're in an age of technology, and everything's at our fingertips. You can do a lot of homework on your own, but in the end, make sure you're talking to professionals like Jason. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1422-1422. Sarah is here with me, and we have five items on the agenda for you. You know, folks, it's been a very action-packed news cycle, and we've been reporting on as much as we can get to with the limited time we have the last few weeks. Sarah, we've got some things to talk about. First of all is interest rates. Uh, as most people know by now, the Fed did a huge rate cut. Basically, it's free money. And mortgage rates did not follow right away, which surprised some people. Usually they, you know, they do, they react and, and mortgage rates decline. But they're a little better than expected, right, Sarah? Yeah. Hey, Jason, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, I left for a DC trip with my son and I had a call scheduled to do a rate lock on some investment uh, refinances. And I missed that phone call because my flight left early. And by the time I came back eight days later, I saw the Fed cut the rate. So I got even more excited thinking that the rates would be even lower when actually they went up slightly. Um, now, when I say went up, they just went back up to where they were, where they've been for the past couple of years. They're still relatively pretty low, yeah. but everybody was very excited. <laughs> and we all thought, you know, we were going to be able to refinance our deals. And that just didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah. But now where are you on it? You've been talking to the lenders all week. What is your thinking now? Yeah. So I talked with one of our lenders yesterday and what he quoted, and this is for acquisitions, I'm sure refinance could vary a little bit, but for new acquisitions, he said with 25% down, the rates were at 4.875 to 5%, which is great. But with 20% down, they were a little higher at five and a half. So these, by the way, listeners, these are non-owner-occupied investor mortgage rates, which are higher yes. than, you know, if you're thinking, oh, those rates are so high, I just refinanced my house. It's different. Investment property, they charge you a little more. Okay, so, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, so if you're looking to do something with a primary residence, they would be lower than that. So, you know, the discussion was to stay in touch with the lender. Um, I've been telling my clients, you know, if you were thinking about doing a cash out refinance, just wait because chances are if you bought the property a few years ago, the rates are not going to be lower than that. But if they do go down, there may be opportunities in the near future. I think everybody's thinking that something's got to give. Yeah. And <laughs> so, something something um, will give. Yeah. It'll yeah. The question is, I don't know, check back on with me or the lender. I would check in once a week and just see where, where things are at. And of course, you'll be updating on the podcast as well. Yeah, we will. This is a crazy time. Things are changing very quickly, as everybody knows that, you know, the markets, the news, the, the mortgage rates, everything. But the ultimate trend is obviously stimulus. The money printing is going to be just extraordinary inflationary pressures, low interest rates. You might buy a property today and by the time you close, the rates will be lower. You know, it's just an incredible time, really. None of us have ever seen this at any time in history, so there's not a lot to compare things to. But um, one of the other interesting things that's going on is, and we've talked to you about this before, you know, many people come to us and, I don't know, they get these funny ideas in their head. Well, I'm going to be a big investor I'm going to invest in commercial real estate. I wouldn't mess around with this stupid residential stuff. That's for like the little people. You know, it's just a, it's just a funny thing I've noticed over the years. And as I've been telling you for the last 16 years, housing, housing, housing It's where is where it's at. Housing, housing, housing. And I've been 100% right on that throughout that time I've been saying that. But... I've also been saying that I like single family housing the best, better than apartments. And listen, I've owned apartments. I own one now. Okay. And single family homes, nothing beats it. And I've I've done many episodes on that. You can go to jasonhartman.com, use the search functionality and find that. But here's the thing. One of the things I've told you when you compare to apartments, when you compare single family homes to apartments is that when you have an apartment, even if it's a, a small 10-unit apartment or a 20 or a 30 or a, you know, like I've owned, 139-unit apartment building, 125-unit apartment building, along with one of our clients, Steve, I, I've owned both of those. And the thing you got to understand is when you have an apartment complex, you are running a business. It's much less of an investment and much more of a business. And your business, just like every other business, will have a Yelp page where people review it. It will have a Google review page probably where people review it. And all of those tenants, because they're all together, will be talking to each other. And they can form little gossip groups and form mutinies and do rent strikes and all of this type of stuff. Well, Sarah, you noticed this on social media, a post about this that we want to share with our listeners. It's pretty interesting. I did. I'll, I'll read this, the heading here. It says, please help in all caps. My tenants organized and are saying they won't pay rent this month. All of them. What can I do? Yeah. And all and of them is on. all capitals. Yeah. <laughs> She's all obviously, you can tell this person is worried. Okay. Because they have all done a coordinated rent strike. Now think about it. If you own a bunch of single-family homes, your tenants won't know each other. And they might be right next to each other. 
even if they were next door to each other, your tenants wouldn't necessarily know they have the same owner, okay? Or they might be, you know, many of our clients purchase a few properties on the same street or in the same neighborhood. But these tenants are, it would be a total incredible fluke that they would ever figure out that they have the same landlord, okay? But in this case, well, and to put this, it's different. Yeah, and to put this in perspective, this is a 32-unit apartment building in right. Texas. Yeah. So this lady's freaking out. But, you know, we've been saying for years and years at our conferences and on the podcast to not to have all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, again, if you're going to buy, say, a 10-unit apartment building, why not buy 10 single-family homes and diversify and be in different markets? And I feel really good about that message, uh, given the current environment we're in. Well, you feel really good that it didn't happen to you. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I feel really good it didn't happen to me or a lot of people listening, right? But listen, on balance, uh, apartments do have some advantages and single family homes have some advantages, okay? It's just that like everything in life, you're always making trade-offs. And the only question is, is are those trade-offs worth it? Is there a compensating factor that makes it worthwhile? Okay. So, I mean, you can just, you can just really read the stress in this landlord's post, right? Please help. My tenants organized and are saying they won't pay rent this month. All of them. What can I do? Someone, please tell me this is going to be okay. I have no idea what to do. I own an apartment building in Houston with 32 units. This is my sole, capitals, sole source of income. Tenants have apparently been talking to each other. And this morning they delivered a letter signed by every single unit saying they will not be paying rent for April and will continue refusing to pay rent until this coronavirus is over and they go back to work. Mm. WTF am I supposed to do? She said WTF. <laughs> I, I didn't abbreviate that, just so you know. <laughs> but we all know what it means, okay? <laughs> okay. I can't possibly evict all of them at once, and especially right now, how am I even going to find new tenants if everyone is out of work? Is this illegal? What do I do? Someone, please give me advice. I am seriously freaking out over here. That's the post from social media, and that's exactly what it says. So, folks, this is the thing. Look, at, you don't want to ever get it. Look, in the old days, when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, if those men on that ship formed a mutiny, he would have them walk the gangplank. They'd be executed, okay? Uh, nowadays, you can't do that. So the best thing to do is to not have all your tenants together talking to each other like that because they can do rent strikes. They can gang up on you, and you're outnumbered, okay? Uh, so that's something to think about. Any other comments on that one? Well, I, all I can say is at least this is in Texas. You know, they say don't mess with Texas. Right. I don't think this is going to work out very well for the tenants. Now, if this were in California, I might be, oh, God. I might be a little scared. Yeah. In any so. landlord, in, you see, there's a compensating factor, for example, right? Texas is landlord friendly. California is tenant friendly. Okay. So at least you've got that going for you, right? Where rent strikes are probably illegal in Texas. But in the current environment, the tenants do have an upper hand. Now, what this owner should do, and she says it's her sole source of income, which leads me to believe 
although I don't know this from reading her, her post on social media, it leads me to believe that she's either paid this property off and it's free and clear, or it has a fairly low mortgage balance. And she's put herself in a position where she unfortunately, unfortunately, has lots of positive cash flow. I know that sounds weird, folks. It's not weird, okay? The better thing would be to have minimal equity and moderate cash flow because the first thing she should do if I were able to respond to her her post on Facebook is I would say, call your lender and tell the lender, look, this is exactly what happened during the Great Recession 10 to 12 years ago, okay, is that we had basically trickle-up economics where the first party in the supply chain gets hit. In this example, the tenant's losing their jobs, okay? Then they go to the landlord. Now the landlord gets hit. Okay, hot potato. Tenant's problem? Well, first of all, it's the employer's problem that had to lay them off, right? Employer's problem, then tenant's problem, then apartment owner's problem, Now, apartment owner passes the hot potato to the lender, and they say, lender, your problem. And then the lender, what do they do? They go to the government and get a bailout for $2 trillion, okay? So it's not going to be their problem. So pass the hot potato. If you own this property free and clear, or if you have a whole bunch of equity, you can't pass that hot potato, okay? Listen to my episodes last week on the return, or two weeks ago when you hear this, on the return policy for real estate. Okay, put yourself in the position of power. That's what will help you do. All of our investment counselors are trained to consult with you on this stuff. Okay, Sarah, enough about that. Let's look at some actual properties where your tenants can't gang up on you and do a rent strike. (laughs) Yeah, so we've got a couple properties that went out on my hot sheet last night. One is in Mobile, Alabama for $95,000. Rent is $950,000. And I actually just uh, put under contract a similar property to this one, um, and we just found out today that it actually did rent for nine fifty. So um, that is a very realistic rent. So you're at one percent rent you know, to value you know, ratio. This, this 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 makes me jealous because I have a property <laughs> in the Mobile area myself that I've had for many many years, and my numbers aren't this good. Yeah, you got thirteen hundred and forty eight square feet, ninety five thousand dollars. $29,000 in change to acquire the property with 25% down. 950 rent, you're exactly at 1%. That's, you know, these are the projections, of course. Real life can vary a little bit. And 218 a month positive cash flow projection. Uh, and Sarah, overall return on investment here projected at 32% annually. Very nice. And that's yeah. a nice looking house. It's a nice looking little house and it could go to just traditional tenant. It could go to Section 8 type tenant. Oh, and this one is actually already leased. I'm sorry. This one's pre-leased. So um, renovated. It has new roof, new vinyl windows, new water heater, all new doors, et cetera. So, yeah, this one's nice and and ready to go. And, you know, I want to just mention one thing because we were talking about the fluctuation with interest rates. When I sent this property out, my client who contracted on the other mobile property about a week and a half ago or so emailed and said that, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get the initial lower rate that he was hoping for. He said, but all things considered, even though the rate went up slightly, He's still at, initially it was a 14% cash-on-cash projection, and now it's an 11% cash-on-cash. 
I mean, still phenomenal numbers, even with just a little uptick in the interest rate. So yeah, there's still some great deals out there. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, you alluded to it, we might as well talk about it now, Section 8. One of the things that I have predicted out of this crisis is the very real possibility of a massive expansion of Section 8 or some similar housing assistance program from the government. Look at folks, we are all socialists now, like it or not, okay? <laughs> the, the whole economy is becoming socialized, not just of the U.S., of the globe, okay? It's just, it's just happening around the world. So I'm not going to argue the philosophy of that. I don't like it, but it's where we are. I'm a realist. We're going to see this massive expansion of some sort of government housing assistance program, maybe like Section 8, maybe with a little different flavor. Who knows? But many of our owners listening to this have chosen not to put their properties into a Section 8 program. And, you know, that's certainly their choice, of course. There are advantages and disadvantages to Section 8. When I was growing up, as I've said many times before, my mom had several Section 8 rentals. And I used to say that, or I would always say, she complained all the way to the bank, okay? <laughs> and, um, and you know, it, it is a little bit bureaucratic. You know, you, you're dealing with a little bit of government red tape. But in some ways, it, it, it's really beneficial, too. So it just depends on your style. And that's why you have Sarah and our other investment therapist to help you. <laughs> yes, you are we an investment therapist, right? <laughs> We had a client make us a T-shirt one year know, that said investment that. therapist. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, really, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, Section 8 can be for really nice housing, too. I mean, yeah. I remember years ago our client, Philip, posted a picture of his house on social media, and it was a Section 8 tenant. I want to say they were paying like eleven ninety five or twelve ninety five, and it was this beautiful, you know, 2,000-plus square feet brick home, nicer than the house I had lived in at the time. Yeah. And it was Section 8. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, totally. uh, it could be a great thing. Exactly. I had a beautiful property in Austin, Texas. It's not on Section 8 now, but it was at one time. And you know, that's a great property. I, I would totally live in that property. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I had someone living there on the government's, uh, you know, free lunch. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Philosophically, it's it's very annoying, but uh, that's the way it is. Anyway, consider Section 8 as an option. Now, one more thing I want to say about that mobile property. That's a three-bedroom, one-bath. So think about what that'd be perfect for, right? It that's, that's maybe a couple with one kid or a single person or a couple with no kids. Dual income, no kids. Stinks, right? <laughs> Dual income, no kids. And it could be any of those kind of makeups or, you know, maybe two kids. But what you've got there is maybe a situation where two of those bedrooms, people are sleeping in them, and one is a home office, okay? And nowadays, with the push toward working at home, that's a great deal. We're going to see employers giving people allowances to work at home. Don't get any ideas, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, because I, I know that I knew that's coming. Okay, I just knew it's coming. Uh, but you know, where employers are maybe paying them two hundred dollars a month bonus to work at home, right? So now their effective rent is seven fifty per month. Okay, in that exact house. 
there's just going to be all kinds of opportunity. Maybe they lived in a little condo or apartment before or a smaller house, maybe a two-bedroom house, and they need to move up to that house. They need that extra bedroom for a home office. Maybe if it's a couple, both people are working at home. Maybe their kid is studying at home. Okay, so they got to have some extra space. And what this what this changes is the the ratio of bathrooms to bedrooms needed. Right. So what you're going to see, here's another thing investors really need to think of, is that the ratio of bathrooms to bedrooms is no longer the same with this new world in which we live. Here's what I mean by that. Before that three-bedroom house or maybe a four-bedroom house like the one we're going to talk about next needs more bathrooms because it's got more occupants, more people sleeping in it. And now you can have less people in the house, fewer people in that house. So you don't need more bathrooms as much. What you need is an extra bedroom for a home office or maybe a home gym because exercise equipment, people are working out at home. Things are changing. Okay. And I just I just have to say something yeah. about number of, of bathrooms real quick because mm-hmm. we have two and a half bathrooms and my your, cleaning your ladies big are mansion? social. Really? Yeah, we have cleaning. Oh. My cleaning ladies are social distancing, and mm-hmm. so now I have to clean the bathrooms. And I wish I had one bathroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. I've I've wondered. You know, my housekeeper comes every week, and I, I was kind of thinking of paying her to stay home. She's come the last couple of weeks, and we're both super uptight about everything and you know she's disinfecting everything but i don't know maybe one of us has it and is going to give it to the other you know so oh yeah i got a text message just saying that you know they're protecting themselves and they're not coming it's understandable plus if they come they can't collect unemployment so uh you know (laughs) it's an incentive not to work now great wonderful (laughs) hashtag moral hazard Okay, so let's talk about this next one. This is in the longest running market we've been in, Indianapolis. Now, think about it. You could live in New York City or some downtown somewhere in the country, or you could live in a nice suburban area in a place like Indianapolis or any of our other markets. You'll find it at jasonartman.com slash properties. And after the lockdowns go away, there's going to be a mass migration to the suburbs. Mark my words on that. People want to live in lower density environments where they can socially distance. So this one, 1,500 square feet for 122.9 with 25% down, you need about $37,000 to acquire the property. It's only 82 bucks per square foot. And is this one rented or is that rent projected, Sarah? This is projected rent of eleven fifty, mm-hmm. and it's an adorable all brick, a single story home in Anderson, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. Yeah, great, good stuff. Projected rent eleven fifty. You're almost at the one percent. They're very close. Cash flow projected at positive two fifty nine per month, or thirty one hundred dollars per year. Gosh, you got a nine percent cash on cash projection. And the performance has 33% return on investment. Remember, all of our performance have our assumptions in there, one month vacancy per year, management fees, maintenance expenses. Just go to jasonhartman.com slash properties, and you can see all these numbers in great detail. You know, in fact, I've never counted them, but how many numbers are on this page? 
you know, how many line items are there? I, I really need to count that. I don't know. Yeah, there's I'm only gonna, only you would wonder that. <laughs> yeah, we need to count that after all these years. I've never I've never counted that. But there's a lot of analysis, deep analysis on these properties. You can see those all on our website. All right. Um, okay. Oh, we wanted to clarify a comment I made. You know, I'm famous for sticking my foot in my mouth. So I told you last week, I believe it was. I said, if you are a newbie investor, don't do anything right now. Just wait, okay? Things are changing so fast, you might only have to wait two or three weeks, and then we'll tell you if it's time to enter the waters and get your first property or two. Clarification, okay? Clarification on that remark. The assumption in me saying that was a new investor only has $25,000 or $50,000, right? Some new investors come to us and they've never invested in income properties before and they've got, you know, a million dollars, okay? So let me clarify the comment. We just don't want you investing in this environment if you are stretching, okay, to invest. If you want to buy two properties and you say, look, I've got $60,000 so I can buy two from you and that's all you've got, don't invest right now. Okay, it's not the time for you. Just just wait. Just be patient, okay, and watch things. But if you've got $300,000 to invest or, you know, $600,000 to invest and you want to get in the game, go right ahead. It's fine for you to do that. We just don't want anybody stretching and, you know, just scraping their last penny to buy properties right now, okay? Because there are... Uh, I, I had... I had somebody the other day who, you know, had about that much. Well, I've had a few people and they said, well, I want to allocate five to 700,000 for real estate and I want to put the rest in the stock market. And I'm thinking, (laughs) don't catch the falling knife. (laughs) I can hear your voice in my head over and over again. I'm like, I wouldn't do that. The real estate, you know, good, but I don't know about the stock market. The important thing, and I've been telling investors this for years, don't, over leverage, keep a good cash reserve. You've always recommended 4% of the entire portfolio value. I've gone a step further and I recommend on your primary residence that you should have 12 months of your, your mortgage payments. Now, I know you think that I'm super conservative, but I come from a totally different walk than you do. So at the end of the day, it depends on each individual investor, their risk tolerance, you know, do they have a family? Are they single? You know, there's many factors. So just don't overextend yourself. You know, you know what you need to survive. You know what your work situation is. You know what your liabilities are. Don't overextend yourself. Don't buy one too many properties and think your whole ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So good advice. Now, I say the minimum should be 4% of the value of the portfolio. So if you've got a $100,000 property and that's all you've got, $4,000 in the bank. If you've got a million dollars worth of properties and maybe that's $100,000 properties, that means 40,000 in the bank. That's the minimum. But you know, and feel free to go over that. Just don't go too far though because remember, when that money's not in the market, it's not working for you. It's definitely getting attacked by taxes and inflation always when it's in the bank. Okay, so, you know, just strike your own balance, what you feel comfortable with, and I think you'll be in good shape. All right, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad we went over some of this stuff. And anything else before we go? No, I appreciate you having me on. Reach out with any questions or concerns anytime, and, and we're here to help. All right, folks, and I guess that's the whole show for today. We were thinking we might have time for a guest, but you know what happens when we get to talking. 
<laughs> uh, so we will be back and we'll have a guest on tomorrow after the intro portion. But if you need us, 1-800-HARTMAN or jasonhartman.com, reach out. Any of our investment counselors can do a portfolio makeover for you and help you position your assets for pandemic investing and uh, make sure that you are in a good position in the position of strength as we are uh, living in uncertain times. So until tomorrow, happy investing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.